You know, in the earliest days of the Christian church, the followers of Jesus couldn't help but, but tell the incredible news about the resurrection of Jesus everywhere they went. And as a result, they became a continuous nuisance to the religious authorities in Jerusalem, who thought that they had put an end to the Jesus parade, only to discover his followers out there boldly preaching and performing miraculous deeds in his name. So they arrested Peter and John and tried to silence them, ordering them not to preach or teach any more in the name of Jesus. But Peter said to them, whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. For when you get caught up in a story as wonderful as the gospel, you just can't help but want to tell other people about it, regardless of what it might cost you. And after they had been threatened once again by the religious leaders, the disciples were released. But they just went right back out and started preaching about the resurrection once again, completely unafraid and unconcerned about the prospect of losing their freedom. Freedom. What is freedom? You know, there's been a lot of talk lately about our freedoms as Americans, which is perhaps our most cherished value. And many of those freedoms have to do with ensuring that we have access to all the things that we want or think that we deserve in life. And one of the ways we protect those freedoms is through the idea of rights, things that we are all entitled to and that no one is supposed to be able to take away from us. And in the Declaration of Independence, the signing of which we celebrate tomorrow, our inalienable rights include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You are free to pursue whatever life you think will make you happy. Now, our society has taken that freedom to its natural conclusion. We are now encouraged to, to go through life as if it is a buffet line where everything is an a la carte option. Jobs, relationships, schools, churches, values, identities, beliefs. And you get to go through the line and, and construct a life for yourself with all of your choices. And if at any point you do not like the life that you have, well, you're encouraged to jump right back in line and, and choose something else. Whatever you think will help you along in your personal pursuit of happiness. And the only real sin in our culture is telling somebody no. After all, we have our rights. We are free to do as we choose. But is that what freedom is really all about being able to do whatever we want? And the truth is, we have more freedoms today than any people who have ever lived. And our nation is about to throw a huge party to remind you of that, that, that life 
liberty and the pursuit of happiness are all yours. And so isn't it ironic that so many of us don't feel all that free or happy? Perhaps it's because in telling ourselves that we have the right to do whatever we want and that we ought to have anything and everything that we desire in life, that we become a slave to our own desires. Desires that can never be satisfied by picking up one more thing in the buffet line of life. You know, I think it's interesting that in a nation that prides itself on all of its freedom, that we have the highest levels of addiction and mental illness of any people in history. I mean, we live with, with so much anxiety and so many fears for people who are supposedly free. I mean, we, we, we live in fear of, of being shot by the next crazed gunman or having our children shot by the next crazed gunman. We live in fear of a recession, of inflation, of not being able to pay our bills. We live in fear of losing our jobs. Some of us live in fear now of getting pregnant, fear of the Supreme Court, fear of our government, fear of crazy politicians. We live in fear of COVID, fear of, fear of dying. Some of us live in fear of what they are gonna take away from us. But you know, None of that sounds very much like freedom to me. And I think one of the reasons for this is that while most of us are clear about our right to freedom, we're not very clear about its purpose. Uh, we all kind of get well, what we've been set free from, but we're not quite so sure about what it is that we are set free for. And freedom is not very helpful without a sense of purpose. Unless our freedom is tied to something that really matters, something that is so much bigger than just our individualistic pursuit of happiness, well, it often becomes more of a curse than a blessing. I mean, we've seen this time and time again with people who win the lottery, who become completely free from all financial concerns and the need to ever work again, and yet who so often end up deeply depressed with shattered relationships and even in bankruptcy as a result of their slavish quest for happiness. And if you are still struggling to find this in your own life, despite all the freedoms that you enjoy, perhaps it is because the real battle for, for freedom is not something that happens out there. Rather, the real battle takes place inside your own heart. For there is nothing out there that has the power to make you happy. Not the right person, or the right job, or the right lottery ticket, or even the right right. No true happiness and true freedom always come from within. As Craig Barnes writes, there is a war being waged against the soul, a battle for its independence. 
Until you win freedom in your soul, it does not matter how many liberties and opportunities society provides for you. You will just continue to desire a life that looks just a little different from the one that you have. And that is not freedom. Conversely, once you have found freedom in your soul, it doesn't matter how many opportunities are taken away, how much health you lose, or how many commitments you have. You will always remain free. But here's the secret, the paradox of the gospel. The only real way to gain independence for your soul is to surrender it to the risen Christ and to get caught up in his story rather than desperately trying to get your own story just right. After all, Jesus alone holds the blueprints to your life, to who you were created to be. Therefore, it is only in becoming a slave to Jesus Christ that you will ever truly be free in this life. And the reality is, all of us are going to live as a slave to something in life, one way or another. It's just, it's just the way we're wired. And if we're not living as a slave to Jesus, we will live as a slave to something else. Another person, our job, our need for affirmation and approval, our dreams for our children, our ambition that drives us to succeed and achieve and earn, our fear that paralyzes us, our addictions and, and compulsions that control us our greed or lust that consume us, our need to be right, even our slavish quest for happiness. And the reason for this is that all of us are held captive under the power of sin, which infects our thoughts and our actions, our dreams and our desires. And as long as sin holds sway in our lives, we will never truly be free to fulfill the purpose for which God created us. But Jesus Christ died on the cross to set us free from sin's power in our lives. Not so that we can now do whatever we want. That's just becoming slaves to our own urges and whims. No, Jesus died and rose again so that you might be free for a life of joyful and loving obedience to our Heavenly Father. Something we are incapable of as long as we are enslaved under the power of sin. And Jesus has given us his own spirit to empower our freedom and to transform us from the inside out, which is the only way real change ever occurs. When those, those early Christians realized what God had done for them in Jesus Christ, 
And when they received the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, they were so overwhelmed with joy and, and gratitude that, that it, it completely transformed them. And not just as individuals, but as a, a community. I mean, the text tells us the, the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Imagine that. Imagine everyone, anyone ever being able to say that about our nation. Or any nation. Or, or any family. Or even any church. But those believers, they... they They'd gotten so caught up in the story of Jesus and they'd surrendered their lives to him so completely that they'd been set free from all the things that once enslaved them. I mean, they, they were no longer afraid of, of being arrested or even being killed because they were just so in love with the risen Savior who had already conquered death. And rather than worrying about their own happiness, instead they just cared so deeply about one another. Even giving away their own stuff whenever a need arose so that there was not a needy person among them. They even stopped viewing all of their stuff as their stuff. Instead they started viewing it all as a, a, a gift from God, who had come to them in the person of Jesus Christ to give them not more rights, but grace, which by definition is something none of us have any right to. You know, there was one man in particular, a Levite named Joseph who was so filled with joy and gratitude when he heard and believed the good news about Jesus and his resurrection and was welcomed with open arms into the family of faith. He sold what must have been a very valuable piece of property and gave all of the money to the apostles to help anyone who was in need. He had become so free in his soul, even from material possessions, that it was almost as if he became a whole new person. And the transformation that had come over him was so dramatic, and it inspired so many other people that the church decided that they needed to give him a whole new name to match his new identity. So they called him Barnabas, son of encouragement. But let's be honest for a minute. When we hear about this radical generosity about these early Christians, a little stab of terror runs through many of our hearts. As we begin to get worried that this is something that might be expected or demanded of us as well, and we start coming up with all kinds of arguments for why this is really a bad idea. You know, that just reveals how enslaved we all still are to our stuff. Which was not really a surprise, is it? I mean, after all, we have all been raised in and shaped by the most individualistic, materialistic culture in history. 
And this, this kind of radical, extreme, selfless generosity is, it's almost incomprehensible to us. I mean, in fact, it almost seems downright un-American. But notice, nobody was required to do this. It was just a, a natural response to the resurrection of Jesus. A spontaneous act of gratitude for having been set free from all the things that once enslaved them. And in our culture, there are few things that enslave us more than our material possessions. And be very sure, wealth can be just as much of a slave master as poverty, if not more so. After all, we never seem to have enough. And the more we have, the harder it is for us to let go of it. And the more we think that it all belongs to us, the more we actually belong to it for we have become its slave. And the only real way to, to be set free from, from the enslaving power of money in our lives is to give it away, to give it back to Jesus. I mean, it's all really his anyway. And he has entrusted it to you to be used in service to his kingdom. I mean, this is what Jesus has come to set you free for. A life of joyful and generous participation in the mission of Jesus Christ. And if we claim that our lives and our possessions really all belong to him, I mean, shouldn't we at least start acting like it? Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that you're supposed to sell everything you have and give it all away. It might, but that's between you and Jesus. But when your soul has been set free from all the things that once enslaved you, when you are overwhelmed with gratitude, for the free gift of grace that you have received in Jesus Christ and for the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You just can't help but be generous. You know, wouldn't it be something if this church became so generous in its giving and made such a difference in the lives of those who were in need that people started calling us the church of encouragement? And the only way for that to happen is if we surrender our whole selves, our life, our liberty, and our pursuit of happiness, Jesus. It's also the only way we will ever truly be free. Amen.